Welcome to the Blinkist Podcast. I'm Caitlin. And this is Ben. Hey, Ben. Hello. And we're here in Berlin. Um, this is episode two. Uh, we were super stoked by how how well you seem to like episode one. So we're excited to be back here again with a new topic for you. And the new topic is sort of, in a way, new stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Novel things. Novel things. Yeah. Uh, novel things and what makes novel things not just novel, but amazing enough to stick around. Um, so to look at that today, we're going to talk to you first about an app called Peach. Okay, so let's get right into the story. Um, you found, you're the main you're the main character of the story, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is kind of weird, but we'll. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, we'll we'll work with it. How did you? All right, so how did you find Peach? Uh, I found Peach because I was cleaning out my feeds, <laughs> and I read an article about something called Peach, and I thought that's cute. What is that about? So before we go, we should we should explain what Peach is. Right. Peach is a new, I guess, social media app sure. that is, its tagline is um, a space for friends. Uh, you can post GIFs, um, images, status updates, all kinds of other really cool little things via command lines or magic words. So a magic word, what's a magic word? A good example of a magic word would be um, move. Move shows you how many steps you've taken in a day. Um, you can also write draw and then you can doodle something and post it directly into your one feed. So basically you like you start typing in a word and then if it's a magic word, it uses some other program in your phone or one of the programs inside of Peach, right? To We don't really know how technology works. Whatever. <laughs> to <laughs> We're content people, we're not programmers. To like let you share something else, right? So if you type in battery, mm -hmm. it takes your phone charge and then you can share your phone charge. Yeah. For example, that's right. what a magic word is. Yes. And so that's Peach. It's an app. Mm -hmm. And you found out about it from an article while you're cleaning your feeds. I did. And then you put it in the general Slack channel. And the Yeah, I put it in the general Slack channel. Slack, by the way, for those of you who don't use it yet, is just, um, it's like a messaging tool, I guess you'd say. Um, their goal is to eliminate email for forever. But really what it lets you do is talk to people in your office really easily about stuff. Right. It's our chat service, basically. Yeah. But we're, there's one sort of chat room inside of Slack called General, mm -hmm. which the whole company is in, in. And you decided to share it with everybody, distracting everybody from their... <laughs> flow that afternoon I, yeah it, but it was like to be fair it was like 5 p.m i was distracting derailing everybody's work day <laughs> because i found this really cool article the headline was something really impressive like um new social media tool reinvents human to machine interaction paradigm yeah that's okay that sounded pretty dramatic to me um and it said that you know this was going to be more like human to personal assistant rather than human to machine i had to know what it was about i had to download peach i did it i shared it and that's where it all began you also shared it if i can give a little clue to the story mm -hmm. because it kind of made you look cool yeah, right. I have to admit it. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like to look like they discovered something new and interesting? You wanted to look cool in front of the whole company by sharing the, the newest and the hottest. I do what I can. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I'll just admit it. It's fine. <laughs> but the reason why we're the reason why we're talking about this and kind of joking around about it, but the reason why it is kind of the theme of the podcast is like something happened. Something did happen. Um, I guess to put it as simply as possible, Peach caught on and we didn't know why it caught on in a really big way quickly we very soon had i don't know like half the office on peach within a couple of hours right 
I think the first person to get excited about it with me was our new colleague, Sarah, whose voice you will probably hear later on in the podcast when you hear an Irish lilt. That's Sarah. Um, Sarah Moriarty, one of our new colleagues um, in charge of content marketing who sits next to you. You guys just went off the chain for like a couple hours freaking out about Peach. Not about hours, but definitely it happened (laughs) at the very tail end of work and then continued on into private hours where (laughs) I was just like drawing things and Sarah was commenting on them. So for a while it was just like um, a ping pong game. And then it even spread across the office to the kitchen people. Even the kitchen people. Right. The the warring factions. The the folks of the kitchen. (laughs) The folks of the kitchen who we don't really know their origin, but they're all quite short. (laughs) (laughs) It's our design. We can't be too mean. No, it's our amazing design team, but they all just happen to be very small people (laughs) who sit in the the kitchen. kitchen. I don't know. The point is it was contagious, right? It was. And even the designers liked it. Right. So this being Blinkist. Mm Mm-hmm. We realized there was something going on, something kind of interesting. Yes. And we asked ourselves, why, why, why did it catch on? Right. So we decided to find out and to share it here with you. Hey there, this is Brian, one of the Blinkist audio narrators. I'm here to talk to you about onions. Onions. We've all been there. We just finished up with the uh, day's onion chopping. And unlike on most days, we can't go around with our hands smelling of onions. Maybe maybe later we have an important handshake, or maybe we are an infant and we plan on sucking our thumb later. Whatever the case may be, we got to get that smell off. So here's the trick. Take a stainless steel knife, or I guess any stainless steel, if you just have some sheets lying around, that'll do. Run cold water over the stainless steel and let the water that has just run onto the stainless steel and is now flowing off of it run over your hand. And do that for a few seconds. And then smell your hand. No onions. Welcome back to the Blinkist podcast. I hope you enjoyed that little intermission. And let's get back into the story. Caitlin. Yes. Why did you put this link to Peach into the Slack channel that distracted everybody at work a couple weeks ago? A, because I'm a terrible person and I'm trying to get fired. B, <laughs> because of a little neurotransmitter called dopamine. Um, okay, so dopamine, dopamine controlled your brain and made you post it into Slack. Dopamine definitely made me do it. Uh, dopamine is a really complicated neurotransmitter that we don't really have time to get into right now, but... What we can tell you is the important thing, and that is that it is a a chemical neurotransmitter that signals feedback for expected rewards. So like you were pumped about, you were using Peach, you were pumped about it. I was pumped about it because it was new. It was this cool new thing that I just had an experience with, and I wanted to immediately share it. So on my little dopamine high, I shared this article, and I said, everybody go download Peach. I mean, the one thing that we all know about dopamine is it's related to new stuff. It it is related to new stuff, exactly. And it's what made it easy to get excited about Peach. We were off. Everybody in the office downloaded it. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us did. And we ended up sharing a lot of stuff really quickly. Yeah, I mean, even the people in the office, you could tell when somebody first downloaded Peach, they figure out the magic words, which, you know, you can type in what song and it it kind of does a Shazam thing and tells you what song is playing. Or steps and tells you how many steps you took or something. And that's like a dopamine. Peach is kind of a master of dopamine. I mean, we'll get into this, but um, 
it's kind of like you find the new thing, you get this rush of excitement, and then you either post it on Slack or you go and run and tell the kitchen people um, that you liked their, you know, you liked the photo that they just shared or something. Um, so I guess as the story goes on, this feeling is spreading around Blinkist, this, mm-hmm. feeling, this dopamine-fueled... Excitement is spreading around Blinkist. Right. But like, why did that happen so quickly and easily, right? It's not just dopamine. It's not just dopamine. Dopamine might have started it all, but there are other other things at play here. Um, I think that we talked about this a lot, but I think that one of the most important things here is that it's uh, it's word of mouth. It's um, social currency, which is something that uh, Jonah Berger talks about in his book, Contagion. Um, Contagious. Social- Sorry? Contagious. Contagious, yeah. Contagion Sorry. is like a bad movie <laughs> about disease spreading, right? Probably, yeah. But um, no, you're right. This is We're going to talk about Jonah Berger um, probably a bunch. But what I like is this thing. Like, like Everyone's marketing books are always talking about word of mouth. And Sarah, over coffee earlier, Sarah was talking about how excited she was when you showed her peach and why it like made this big difference in her life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of cute. Not because... It was like her first day at the job and mm-hmm. she was super excited. Mm-hmm. But um like she respected your author like she respected the authority of your of your recommendation. Look at me. Extent. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, like the like it had credibility. And this is Jonah Berger's thing. Word yeah. of mouth is is um it's incredibly credible when you hear incredibly credible. Woo. When like your best friend whose taste you appreciate says, Hey, listen to this record or watch this movie, you're going to. Right. It's way more powerful than than any even social media recommendation you get. If someone that you personally know, especially if you're sitting right next to them and kind of forcing them to download an app, they're going to uh, they're going to take your your word for it. Right. So it's also more targeted. I mean, this is right. Jonah, like just to say it, this is what Jonah Berger says. It's targeted. In other words, social media or marketing can really target people, but you're never going to target people as good as like when they're girlfriend recommends something to them right right and yeah and it's more credible than than any source yeah actually just a fun stat for you Berger tells us that word of mouth is a primary factor in between 20 to 50 percent of all purchasing decisions which is pretty uh pretty impressive right and so. kind of the goal of every product is to get people talking about it yeah which i think peach did successfully absolutely right i mean if we're chronicling the sort of mini drama of how peach took over the blankest office and whether or not it managed to hold on to its control of the Blinkist office, I think this it made us talk. And that's some I mean, that's something valuable, right? Well, not only did it make us talk, it also made us talk in completely new ways. I noticed that personally I was getting to know my colleagues in a completely different way. I didn't really know our designer Natalia very well before we started using Peach, but by watching what Natalia chose to show me on Peach, um, we established kind of a new sort of relationship. Um, so it was doing exactly what a social network is supposed to do. It's um, letting you express yourself and develop new social connections. Cool. And then, well, the, the, the story moves on. The story does move on. As, 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 what happens when, <laughs> as what happens when a tech company gets, gets interested in a social media thing, they have to make their own account. Right? Of course. So we made our own official Blinkist Peach account. Mm-hmm. But we're not the only brand that's on, that's on Peach Apparently, Cheetos has a really impressive peach presence. Okay. But the one that it seemed like all of the tech blogs that we read were talking about was Merriam-Webster. Yeah. And the guy behind that is man of words, pulp fiction enthusiast, knife thrower in training, and crystal ball seeker, Jesse DeWitt. 
who is actually the director of digital product at Merriam-Webster. And um, we spoke with him, actually, the other night uh, from his office in New York City and our headquarters in Berlin. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Can you hear us okay? So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. What did you love about Peach so much? You said that it was sort of incidental, your first 10 posts. It was less about being a representative of Merriam-Webster, the brand, and more about you just messing around with it. What what attracted you to it and what made you keep posting and engaging with it? Yeah, it, it, I think it's the variety, honestly. Um, the you know, Twitter and Facebook have both been around for a while. We kind of all know what to expect from a Facebook Facebook feed or Twitter feed. Um, and honestly, I feel my personal reaction to, to a lot of it is a, a bit of social media fatigue. Um, mm. You know, it just sort of feels all, all feels a bit routine, especially when you're working for a brand. It's very easy to follow, fall into a, a trap of, you know, I'm going to give you an example from word of the, or word of the day. It's like, our word of the day is obstreperous today. Do you know anyone who's obstreperous? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yes. Who wants, to, who wants to talk to somebody like that? You know, that, that person at the party who was like, yeah, I just learned a new word. Uh, let me use it in every context that I possibly can. So um, what I like about Peach, though, is that there's this, given the magic words and, and um, some of the nice ways they've integrated visual, um, you know, the GIFs, uh, now they have the caption, the new magic word. Haven't played with yet, and uh, yeah, even some of the sillier stuff like the battery meter. Um, it makes when you're when you're reading through someone's um, reading, reading through someone's peach post, it makes just for a more varied reading experience. Um, mm. Some people already are, are specializing. It seems you know, like I see illustrators and animators who who are using it to to promote their or just to express themselves. Um, but for my sake, I like I like trying to find. Um, what I like about Peach is trying to use those magic words in a variety of different ways, kind of like a salad, <laughs> a word salad. <laughs> if you could add any one magic word to Peach's commands, what would it be? Oh, man, I should be ready for this. How about definition? Oh! <laughs> Can you think of something that was short-lived in your life, an app, a song, a fashion trend, that you wish was still in fashion but sadly is not? Break dancing. <laughs> I didn't know it was totally dead. <laughs> I didn't know it was ever in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit older than I might come, might sound, but yeah, it was in fashion for a while there. And you just don't see that many people breakdancing, like classic old school, big beatbox, slab of cardboard out in the street and like nice sweatbands and things. Wow. Jesse, do you breakdance? Never. I love this thing about the social media fatigue. Yeah, Which me too. I think all of us have, right? We definitely do. I sometimes just can't. I've recently only started using Twitter. Um, Twitter was just never a social media that I took to. And it makes me tired. <laughs> I yeah, but it's only... weird because you're a writer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that I resisted it because it just didn't give me enough space to express myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. But this social media fatigue thing, um, it ties back to dopamine. No, like I think this idea of like everything's the same and I'm bored with it. Right. Whereas like this is a new thing mm -hmm. and I'm excited about it for some reason. Mm -hmm. And of course, people don't feel that way about every new app or every new mm -hmm. social media channel. But I think this is why you see like a big burst of stuff like Yo yeah. or Elo or Yo. Snapchat at the beginning before they turned into something relevant. Even Vine um, back in the day. Right. People are bored. 
<laughs> That's why. I mean, we just we need to have our social media monotony broken up. Um, Jesse really responded to it, and he quickly made like ten posts on Peach, and it was fun for him, and it was fun for us too. And um, I think that that is key here. Peach keeps being fun because it has so many different new little little knobs and gigas to discover. Right, and it, and like from a business perspective, it solved a problem for him somehow. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was a problem for Miriam Webster, like he said. Uh, I don't know to find the right channel, maybe, or it's not that easy as a dictionary all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. To, I think what he said was, it's not easy to be the dictionary on Twitter, basically to say this is the word of the day. Right. The word of the day is obstreperous. Right. Um, and he said, who wants to be that guy? Just explaining this word at a party. But what's so cool about Peach is that it gives you a new way to be that guy at the party that isn't annoying, you know. But he he also said it it has such high engagement. I mean, it, it's relevant. Is kind of the point we're trying to make, and it was relevant for brand for a brand, even for the dictionary, who found this cool way to do it. Right. Yeah, which is fascinating considering it's this kind of old school reference manual. It right. gave them an opportunity to to reinvent themselves in a way uh, to spring onto the digital media scene in a way that maybe you wouldn't have expected a dictionary to. I don't generally expect dictionaries to spring anyway, but I thought this was pretty cool for them. So in other words, we weren't the only people who were kind of a flutter about Peach. Um, the media was super pumped about Peach, I would say, and then almost immediately skeptical. Right? Almost immediately, yeah. As soon as people were, were lauding Peach, three days later they were damning it and saying, ah, we'll see how long it's going to last, I don't know. And It was like two weeks after it was released. Yeah. Like mid-January, the articles came out about how Peach is dead. <laughs> yeah, Mashable and the New Republic were just like, nope, we're done here. Maybe, yeah. I feel like we were not We were like a couple days behind or like a week behind. We're still enjoying it. Yeah. And and we didn't get it. We were liking at the office. I mean, it was growing and we started to wonder, will this stick around? I mean, you know, we learned about dopamine. We learned about the idea of word of mouth, the idea of like social media fatigue, all of these things. And we kept we kept we kept wanting to know more. Right. Right. So I did a little bit of digging. Right. So let's take a break and then go into what Caitlin found out. Hi, my name is Amanda. You might know me from such audio blinks as Lean In, Sapiens, The Monopolist, and The Peter Principle. My life hack is, you know when you get interrupted while you're making eggplant parm and you're like, oh, nuts, now the eggplant's going to go bad and I'll have no eggplant parm. Not so fast. Squeeze lemon all over the eggplant slices and place in the fridge. When you come back later, it's like they're frozen in time. As in, they're preserved and you can finish making your eggplant parm. Welcome back again. We are in like chapter three-ish, three or four. Ish. And the question was, will this peach thing stick around at Blinkist? And Caitlin, you did your thing, right? You, you. This is what you do. You dig into stuff. You get like, you get snagged on, to- on topics or a question or something and you got into it. So what what did you find out? You went into like, what was the topic you went into specifically and what did you, what'd you find out? Yeah. Um, so I decided that I was going to do a little bit of research in the blinks on virality, contagion, what makes ideas endure, things like that. And I found some classic examples, like from our friends Chip and Dan Heath, Made to Stick, which we mentioned last time in our Book Doctor segment, which if you have not heard, you should go listen to. Nicely done. Oh, yeah. Um, and classic elements there are simplicity and surprise. And then we looked at some more updated stuff, too, like uh, Jonah Berger's Six Principles of Contagion. And those are things like um, emotion, stories, practical value. And 
I guess that the two that I found the most fascinating and applicable to this specific example, our, our peach wave at Blinkist, was uh, social currency, which we touched on a little bit, and publicness. Okay, so so let's take them one at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, go, you did all this work, teach us, share with us your wisdom on social currency. Okay, so... This is all, sorry, is this all from the Jonah Berger book? This is from the Jonah Berger book. We okay. owe him a lot for this podcast, and we, actually. And we say, right, and we recommend it. We totally recommend it. This right. is actually one of the, the nonfiction books that I read recently that I like the most. So cool. I would absolutely recommend it. Um, okay, so social currency is what people use to achieve a desired positive impression amongst their their friends and their peer group. Um, people want to share that make them look hip. They want to share everything that makes them look cool mm-hmm. and like they know something that somebody else doesn't. And to get people talking, apps or, or artists or whatever, they need to create social currency. Um, in his book, Jonah Berger says that there are three basic ways to do this. Um, a thing has to have inner remarkability. It has to leverage game mechanics, or it has to make people feel like insiders. And it could, of course, do all three of these things. Inner remarkability, game mechanics. Uh huh. Game mechanics. Game mechanics. And make people feel like insiders. Yes. All right. So let's go through. Let's go through them. Okay, we can do that. Um, so remarkability. Remarkability. That's kind of self-explanatory. I think it's something that is so interesting that it makes you want to comment on it. It's out of the ordinary. It deals with curiosity. It deals with surprise and unexpectedness. If something is remarkable, then it is worth me saying, hey, Ben, look at this cool app. Or, hey, Ben, I ate at this awesome restaurant this weekend, which is something that I say a lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, Or I cooked this awesome recipe. Um, so if a thing is remarkable, then it naturally has you talking about it. Okay. And it gives social currency somehow. You look good also when... Yeah, you You're doing good. something diff- slightly different from what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. So that's social currency, uh, remarkability. Um, and then there's game mechanics. And game mechanics awaken our inner competitor, if you have one of those. I think all of us do, although some people less strongly than others. Um, we love social comparison. And game mechanics are good when they let us achieve things. Um, we're intrinsically motivated creatures, and achieving things makes us look and feel good. But they're also um, like fun. Games are fun. Yeah, exactly. Games are fun. And it's it's a reason that um, worldwide, I actually wrote this one down because I was fascinated by the fact. So worldwide, there are 10 trillion unused <laughs> frequent flyer miles. Just hanging out in people's accounts. <laughs> really good. 10 trillion. You can travel to the moon and back 19.4 million times with all those that's, unused miles. I wish somebody would give me some of theirs. Like, isn't that funny? I was going to say like no, no one I know has any miles no, hanging around. And there's, no, what did you say, 10 trillion 10 unused? trillion. I fly back and forth to the US like twice a year and I don't have any miles at all. I just don't like games that much, I guess. Um, but people don't rack up their miles because they're going to use them. Obviously, they do it because they're having fun. I know people... Or because they want to look cooler. Or because they want to look cooler, yeah. Which is also social currency. I a, mean, yeah, it's a status thing attached to being a frequent traveler, or looking like you're getting something and getting the most out of a system. So that's game mechanics. Uh, so we have remarkability, game mechanics, and then insider feels. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes to feel like an insider, right? It's um, it's why private sales work, and it's why those flash sale sites that were big in, I don't know, like 2007 were so big. There was Guilt, there was Rulala, there were a bunch of different ones. These are um, So these are the these are where the sites are, they were like e-commerce sites where you had to wait on a list. Exactly, right? invite only, and some, some invite. apps do that too. 
And the idea was to make you feel like an insider. So you feel cool. So you want to share or something mm -hmm. because like this, this is another part of social currency in the sense of, right. You are, you are different. You are cooler. You're different. You're cooler. You have knowledge. No one else has. You're an insider. You're an insider. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Yeah. And so that's, that's social currency, right? Yeah. So but social currency. Sorry, keep going. No, it's, it's okay. Uh, just to recap, social currency is the thing that makes people, um, gives people a, a desired positive impression among their peer group. Okay. So that's the thing that makes an element of what makes something contagious when it has a social currency. And that ties back to the peach thing because you, you had all of these things yeah. before you posted it into Slack. Right. Cool. So the, the, the other one that you said at the top of this, this chapter of the story, I guess, is this idea of publicness. Right. right. Yes. Can you, can you go on? I could go on, but I think you really like talking <laughs> about this one. I just like this one quote, this Jonah Berger quote to keep talking about Jonah Berger. It's Jonah Berger. <laughs> we love you. We're out here. He says, if it's built to show, it's built to grow. Um, I mean, I think this is kind of, I don't know if he says this in the book, but it's like the basic thing of like a logo mm -hmm. on a shirt or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just have something that, that the brand or the product is showing. Right. And if you don't add the, if you have nothing to show, nobody can see what other people are using. They're not going to, it can't go viral if nobody can see what it is. Right. Right. So what do we have? We have two good examples from Apple. We do. Speaking of, of logo, actually, it yes. has to do, the first one that we have um, has to do with the, the Apple logo on the top case of all the MacBooks. Because? Jobs really, really sweated the orientation of the Apple logo on the top case. Um, at first, the Apple was faced in such a way that it made sense to the user when you closed it. So the Apple was facing toward you like a normal Apple. Right. Like picture the, wait, just for the people listening, if you picture an Apple... If you picture the Apple logo with the like bite taken out and the little kind of apostrophe looking thing on top of the apple. Also known as a leaf. Also known as a leaf. Thank you. Or a twig or something. Right. If you, the nub. If it's you the close nub. your MacBook, the mm -hmm. nub. If you close the, the MacBook, the nub is actually Closest facing you. you, which is upside down. Yeah. For the user. Fine. So, but Jobs hated it at first. Well, he worried about it. Okay. Because the more he saw his own product in use, the more he worried about whether or not an upside down apple made a good impression and made sense to the onlooker. So you go into a coffee shop full of people working busily on their MacBooks or and you don't want to see or on Facebook um, or on Peach. No, you can't use Peach for web. Anyway, you don't want to see a bunch of upside down apples. So they decided to flip it. Right. And so it's upside down to me when I close the MacBook, but when I'm... It's right side up to everybody else. When I'm in the cafe. Right. So the public, the onlooker, was more important. And if, you know, it's any indication of um, success, which I guess the mass um, use of MacBooks are, this was a really good call on Apple's part. Right. It's it's built to show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's go. built to show. It's It's for the viewer. So there's another really good Apple example, which is... Which one's that? Famous. It's like the headphone example. Oh, you know, you have like right. the headphones in the first iPod were white and that was a big deal back then. I remember it's kind of like if you're on the bus or the train or whatever, you or even at the gym or something, the people who had the white headphones, um, you knew they had the iPod, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So like you knew they were somehow... Elite, somehow, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean... Everyone has has colored headphones or something. It's not that big of a deal. But I remember when, 
yeah, that was like a cool idea of like, oh, I should, it kind of kept it in your head, kept the iPod kind of in your head mm -hmm. and spread the like idea of I should buy an iPod. Well, it spread the idea that the people you knew were doing it. Right. Which is really, really critical. Right. Um, for us at Blinkist, I think that Peach took the office by storm because it was really obvious for all of us that we were on Peach. We were there at Peach Inn. We were, we, we were posting gifts. We were accidentally putting rings on each other. We were caking <laughs> each other. There were boops. Um, These are all things you can do on Peach, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. P.S. <laughs> we were shazamming songs um, and showing how much movement we'd gotten during the day. Uh, so people were peach using shaming? it. Is there such a thing as peach shaming? Peach shaming. There should be. Okay. Well, that was happening. Yeah, right. So both so the the peach stuff we already heard about in terms of social currency and pub, and publicness. Mm -hmm. Um we we talked about like the word of mouth and how people felt cool in using peach and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The social currency, mm -hmm. the publicness was that we saw people using it and people were talking about it. Right. I mean, it's not like we we had like these peach t-shirts or we weren't like walking around promoting peach or something in the office, but it somehow when you see somebody in the kitchen laughing because they just made like a funny gift photo, video, yeah. looping video or something, then even if you, you're not interested, it's kind of, it's public. It's like in your face, you, you're curious and you kind of want to be involved. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think when you downloaded peach, you were kind of late actually. As usual. <laughs> but Ben eventually got kind of, I think, a little bit jealous that everybody else was having fun with this thing that he wasn't was having fun jealous. with. I was not jealous. I was not jealous. It's okay. You can admit it. I was this not jealous. I was listeners. just waiting to see. I was just waiting to see if it was going to catch. I mean, you guys do lots of stuff that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know if you could give your heart away like that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right. Right. All right. So, but, so, but so it was public and there was social currency. And these are like your two favorite favorite things of the Jonah Burger 6 but I guess the sad part of the of the story is um, our colleagues started to draw back their peach usage. They at did. Some point. They did. There was this one weekend. I think it was. It was actually maybe it was the second weekend we were all using peach. I posted my movement. It was like seventeen kilometers or something for a Saturday, which is. Yeah. What were you doing? I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like walking around to go look for, at new furniture for my place. But all over the city. All over the city because I was using um, like Craigslist. Uh, yeah. Some good used antiques out here in Berlin, you guys. Hot tip. Anyway, <laughs> I, w I moved a lot and I was really excited about my um, my steps. And I posted it and nobody reacted. And I there was something in me that twinged. I got this feeling, another feeling. So I could kind of see that this might be the beginning of the end. And I think that that was kind of true, actually. We are still using it at the office, but not as much. Well, let's, let's slow down. I mean, I mean, people were clearly not as excited. No, but we've figured out that we figured out why we already talked about how dopamine only works on things that are novel. So, right. you know, after posting a looping GIF photo four times in the kitchen, it's like not as hilarious the fifth time. Right. Right. That's mm -hmm. we, we learned that already. And um, I don't I don't know if it was like abandonment or boredom or something, mm -hmm. but definitely people didn't check or congratulate you weren't as engaged for some reason, even just a couple of weeks where a couple of weeks ago, if you had posted, you walked 17 kilometers, I think everyone in the office would have been yeah, all over your post. You would have gotten mad hearts. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, but there's another, there's a cool, there's this cool MIT study, right? Yeah, uh, there is. It's this really great example also from Jonah Berger's book. Um, so there was this study at MIT done by, I will mispronounce this. 
I'm sorry, someone feel free to correct me, but it's Huan Huan Zhang, who found that social proof leads people to turn down available kidneys. So they saw that if someone was the 100th person on the list for a particular kidney, and the kidney had been consistently turned down, even if that kidney was completely fine, maybe just turned down for reasons like the blood type wasn't right, who knows, too far to travel to get this kidney. Mm. If it got to person number 100 for whom this kidney might have been perfectly suited, they still turned it down. Even though it would have saved their lives or something. Absolutely. Um, But they turned it down purely because they assumed it was low quality because no one else used it. nuts. So somehow, like, you don't want to be that, you, you don't want your product to have the effect on a user the way the one, the way the kidney has an effect, the way the rejected kidney has on the 100th. Even if it's a perfectly person. good kidney. Or a perfectly good social media app. Right. And because also with a social media app, you don't want to be shouting into the void. You can't. That's the mm-hmm. nature of a social media app. If there's nothing, no one to be social with, then there's nothing to do there. So I guess we kind of felt like it was kind of safe to say about a week ago that Peach was doomed at Blinkist. I mean, it was Blinkist had rejected the Peach kidney. <laughs> Somehow, right? Yeah. But then, then I got this email. You mm-hmm. got this email. I did. They have new magic words. They have an update. Uh-huh. They have a really nice email. The, oh, I love that email. Why did you like the email? So I like it was really friendly and the tone was nice. I like that it introduced me to new things. And they use this technique at the very end of the email that I, as somebody who's who's done some email marketing, really admired. They had a PS that they made me wait for with secrets all the way to the end. <laughs> if you tell me there are secrets, I'm going to read the thing. Um, but I really, it was good, right? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I like the new magic words. I liked the, you could like see how much battery your phone had. Oh yeah. I actually, I used that the other day. But this is totally us being reengaged in Peach. Yeah, I guess so. Right? It's like, it, we got the shot of, we got the shot, shot of, of dopamine. dopamine. Right. Once more. Yeah, I guess it just, yeah. So let's rephrase. They're after masters. Our, so let's rephrase that. After okay. our deep dive into virality <laughs> and learning about all this stuff, maybe Peach is just a master at dopamine. Maybe they are. And maybe that's okay. I guess like uh, maybe it's not enough to be to to like be a media darling and no. be a like viral forever and make a trillion dollars and be a unicorn or whatever. Right. But maybe it's enough to like entertain an office of people in Berlin for a <laughs> get couple attention, weeks. yeah, and then get spoken about in a podcast, right? Um, and hold people's attention enough to maybe figure out how the product is going to be. I mean, I think it's kind of a cool tip for people making a product. Also, like if you can get the dopamine thing, if you can give people new new shots of excitement right. and novelty, they're going to stick around. Right. Or at least they'll check back in to see what's happening. I guess the lesson here is, is there, well, there's one lesson and two fruits. Be like Peach and be a master <laughs> of dopamine and find ways of sticking with people the way that Apple does. Nicely said. There you Nicely go. Said. Apple peach combo. Boom. All right. Well, then I think that's that's good for the story. Let's let's take another break and then get into the book, Doctor. Sounds great. I'm Temi, a designer at Blinkist, and the last book I read was Hell's Angels by Hunter S. Thompson. Ciao, sono Pierangelo, lavoro come programmatore a Blinkist e vi raccomando Cosmopolitan Democracy. Ciao. Welcome back to the book, Doctor. This is the section of our podcast in which we take a, a reader question and we give it the proper bookish prescription. So we basically diagnose your woes and give you a book to make it all better. Right, Ben? Yes. Keep going. Read what we got. <laughs> okay. So this question comes from Brian Erickson, who is in Colorado. Um, Brian's a page 19 reader who wrote into us with this great question. So Brian says, 
I read a lot about contemporary work cultures like 37 Signals, Valve, Zappos, and Team Treehouse. Couldn't it be argued that the radical cultures we read about are simply luxuries of success as opposed to the sources of it? In other words, since these companies were already succeeding, they were able to level up by adding a great culture to the success. Yes, no? True, false? What do you think? Um, the book doctor is very grateful for the question, Brian Erickson from Colorado. The book doctor certainly hopes that you or your business is not suffering from any culture-related ailments because they can be quite tricky to overcome. No. They're, they're often chronic, and uh, the guilty pathogens can be very deeply embedded in a system like bad back pain. So look out for it. But to quickly answer, the book doctor would prescribe a book by Zappos founder Tony Shea called Delivering Happiness, mm -hmm. in which he says... I can stop this kind of like 25% book doctor impression I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, in which okay. he says... You, just, you can just be Ben. Thanks. Be Ben. All right. Tony Shea says in the book Delivering Happiness that the key to the culture, to their culture, is believing in it. Like what, what I would say to Brian Erickson is... And what this book would say. And what this book would say is that culture is not something that you can just tack on at the end. No. It's something that has to be there from the beginning, at least in intention. Right. And... It might not always look the same culture. Mm -hmm. You might not have the cash to buy a cruise for your employees or pay them to go on vacation or pay for a yoga instructor or whatever. It might look different over time, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't always there. Right. And that's something that Tony Shea writes in Delivering Happiness. Cool. Yeah. So let's move on to the sad end of this podcast. <sighs> All right. I think we can get into the, so we just go straight into the conclusion. Uh, I guess we could, or or we could read a really nice piece of listener mail that we oh, got yeah. from last time. Cool. Yo, guys, by the way, that? we got emails from we you. We got so many emails. That was awesome. Yeah, I cannot mask how excited I am about that right now. It is so good to hear that people listen, that people care. It's great to hear awesome things. It's great to hear not so awesome things. We got some really great feedback from you guys from last time, and I hope that you notice that it's reflected in this episode. We did things a little differently this time, as you probably noticed. We didn't have audio blinks this time for one. Mm -hmm. Ben and I just talked. Um, I don't well, know how that was for you. We did some interviews and stuff. We did some interviews, yeah. Uh, had a little bit of like interlude business going on. <laughs> um, if you liked that stuff, we're so happy. If you hated it, we also really want to know because we want to give you things you like. If you prefer the old format, reach out and tell us, whatever, whatever. We love to hear from you. And we did hear from you. So read this Read this email from uh, Ron Kursop. Ron Kursop. Um, Ron's a, Ron, uh, while you find it. There you it find is. It? Yeah, I got He's it. He's a librarian from upstate New York. Yeah. Who and wrote then... us a totally lovely email. Go for it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. It says, hi, Caitlin and Ben. Just listened to the first episode of the podcast. It was great. The content was interesting. The transitions were tight. It had just the right amount of humor. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the length was good for my morning visit to the gym, and it left me excited for the next episode. Yay. Also, I love being solicited for information. All caps love. Just love. noting that. Yes, That's like awesome. big love. When listening to podcasts, I generally want at least three takeaways that I can use in my everyday life. I do this with continuing education stuff, too. Helps me pay attention. I like when the takeaways are things that will make me healthier, more productive. I'm a productivity nerd. A little bit uh, a little bit of a better person or fun information that I can later use in conversations. Episode one of the Blinkist podcast did this very well with the information you talked about. Laughing's also good. So feel free to crack as many jokes as you'd like. Ron. Ron, awesome. that is a dangerous invitation. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's anyway. really good. And we would say, I mean... 
thanks right to all the people yeah. who wrote into the first i mean we were definitely amateurs we're not audio amateurs but we're amateurs at talk sitting across from each other and talking and like mapping kind of out funny. a story for a podcast yeah. and figuring how that works um if you want to like mentor us <laughs> yeah just write get in. in touch if you want to get involved somehow we love yeah we love hearing from you we loved we'd love to build a community around this so yeah and it was hi. cool i mean look we didn't do any marketing pretty much for the first podcast and we had over 2000 plays um that's just like wow that's totally floored us right so and actually we put in a coupon code to use Blinkist and a bunch of people use that also, which you never know how it's going to work. When no, you, you like, never do. We felt like we were worried it was going to be kind of salesy, but you guys checked it out. We're just really pumped about that. So, yeah. So you can do it again, I guess. You just go to, um, I think you go to Blinkist.com slash friends mm-hmm. and you put in podcast. Yeah. And you'll get, code. what do you get? 20% off? I think you get like two weeks free. Or two weeks free. Okay. I mean, figure why not let people just use it? Yeah. Well, you tell us what the discount is. We know it was good enough for you to want to try it the first time. And right. And then we can do all of this. um, What's it called? The the podcast stuff that everyone does where they say, find us on iTunes. Right. Subscribe on iTunes. Like us on SoundCloud. Give us some hearts. Hearts. We love hearts. Um, Page 19. There'll be a post up. Yep. Page19.com. Yes, page19.com with show notes on all the stuff we talked about, where I will also mention all of the books that we used and where you can find them and where you can find the blinks and some studies. But but some of the books, just real quick, Contagious to Jonah Berger, from Mm -hmm. Jonah Berger, Made to Stick, Fascinate, The Tipping Point, and Delivering Happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, They all deserve shout outs. And you can... um, Still email us at podcast at Blinkist.com. We check those. We check that all the time. Yeah. And it makes our day to hear from you. Actually, yeah. Send us more book doctor questions. Yeah, we so. would love that. If there is something that you want to know about that you think we might have a book prescription for, um, we can point you in the right direction if you write us in with your question. Right. Or even send us your favorite fad novelty product yeah. or app or social media app or something. Right. Something that that went viral and then disappeared. And then disappeared. That, you, that, that you wish was still around. Like yeah. what's yours? Yo, you said yo. Yo, I really, I thought yo was. I mean, I thought yo was kind of dumb, but I really liked it as an app, just as a concept that someone wouldn't bother to make an app that's only function was to say yo to your friends. <laughs> I had, I mean, this isn't an app, but Pogs. Oh I mean, man, all I the thought games, about Pogs too. Like we could have talked about all the games, Furbies, Furbies, Tamagotchi. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but Pogs, I was. I was like a pretty good. I had some pretty pretty player. slam and slammers. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I had like a pogs board, like a plastic board that you could. We were from the eighties. Play on, yeah, yeah whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, all right, before we keep going, we should yeah, probably I guess end that's this. It. Right. Um, I guess all the thank yous too. Oh yeah, which we have uh, a lot of people to thank. Right. Um, but a huge thank you to the man that for Blinkist is the dictionary, Jesse Dewitt. Thanks so much for talking with us. Um, thank you to the Sarahs. Moriarty and Rosengarten. Yep. Uh, thank you to Jana and Linus at Studio Amfluss, which is where we're recording right now. They're our lovely neighbors who let us use their very sweet studio. Yes. Mm-hmm. And our weird ducking, weird looking dog. Weird ducking. <laughs> she kind of looks like a duck. No, we have a very weird looking office dog now called Sue. She's a charmer, though. I call her... Um, killer. Killer. Because you never know. But yeah. you can see her on our Instagram if you like underbites. Yeah. <laughs> if you're into underbites, look at Sue on uh, Blinkist Instagram. It's at Blinkist. And you can also find us and Sue on Peach at Blinkist. Yeah, why not, right? Then right. We'll, then we'll keep checking Check it out. out. You know, it's a space for friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, great. That's it. Thanks See you for next time. Bye. Bye.